You are you now are listening, listening to, to the unmistakable sound of the Wonderful. I also appreciate SS Austin with his super chat. His question is, do y'all think our guards are a little selfish? I feel like in some points in the game, when we desperately need points, when we'll shoot a Logo 3 as an example. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts uh, about this? Um, I think selfish is the wrong word. Um, I do think that, you know, we've already used the, the correct terminology, I think, which is uh, situationally aware. I think our guards, and we've been talking about this really all season, have to be able to take those shots to make those shots. And they make those shots sometimes. And so, like, it's, it's beautiful. Oh, man, did y'all see that deep three Wendell took in the right. game? Looks beautiful when he makes it, but then he misses it. It's like, ah, oh, why are you taking that shot? Sometimes it's ill-advised, right? But, like, he has the confidence to take that shot and knows he can make it. He just has to make it more often than not in order for people to not be upset about it. Um, can we have better guard play? 100%. I don't think that um, it's debatable as to whether or not the guards could play better. Um, and, and you know, but I, I don't know that selfish is the right word, right? Like, I think the right word is they just need to be more aware of scenarios and, and ways that they can get themselves into the game offensively that don't include long threes in Wendell's case or don't include, you know, shake and bake pull up threes in KD's uh, case, right? Zepp Jasper offensively has been non-existent for the vast majority of the season, right? Like he, I he's scored in double digits maybe what twice this year? I don't know, I'd have to go back and look. He's he's not really an offensive threat, though he can shoot the ball fairly well. And that's another thing I want us to be able to do is find ways to get the guys in a space where they're comfortable. If Zepp is as good a three-point shooter as he displayed at the College of Charleston, why is he not shooting that, that right. well at Auburn? I think it's situational. We have to put him in, in scenarios that allow him to be able to utilize that, um, uh, that, that talent for him. This is, a good, I, this is a good word to use right here, John. They need to be a little more disciplined. I like the word discipline. It's discipline in certain right. scenarios that right. I think is a good way to talk about it. It's definitely not, they're, they're not good shots by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but I, again, I wouldn't say that they're selfish. I just think it's a, it's a lack of discipline in certain spaces that, you know, young basketball players have to grow to it sometimes. Yeah. And it's it, a part of it too is one of the things that you helped me to understand because I hated it at times earlier in the season but I understand this is how these guys play to a degree. And so to to an extent, even though there's opportunity for growth and being more disciplined, you kind of have to take the good with the bad in some um, some points with their game. And I think what happens, what makes it even worse is that sometimes when there's a run that the other team is going on, these guys have a tendency to press. Mm -hmm. And that's when you see these types of shot selections happen which makes it even more of an eyesore because there's a lot at stake in that moment. Yeah. And these are these guys just trying to play their game, doing what they normally do to get us back in the game. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Right. So I, I think we have to keep keep that in mind with how these guys play. And I think, Ike, you did a good job of helping me to see that. I don't freak out as much <laughs> as I used to when I used to see some of these shots because I know this is what these guys have done. And for the most part, I'll say, oh, my God, he oh, he made it. Yeah, I don't even really flip out because usually it will go in. Jazzy Joe, does War Eagle, uh, did I pay the assist challenge for the Vandy game? We haven't had a... This is the first live since the Vandy game, right? Yes. So, yeah, he hasn't yes. had an opportunity to. He hasn't had an opportunity to. So, you know, let the Lord use you. It is Sunday, Jazzy. <laughs> um, just, just FYI there. Uh, let's 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 continue to talk. Uh, Mike G already alluded to this. Um, I wanted we talked about the good, which was Jabari, mm -hmm. the bad, which it was just Jabari at times mm -hmm. um, outside of Kessler and KD. But let's talk about the ugly. You know, I look at the stat for this game, and Auburn actually shot better from the from field goal, a uh, better percentage than Florida. They shot yeah, Florida 40 to Florida's 36. Yeah. Auburn actually, when we talk about shot selection, they actually did a decent job in uh, shot selection from three-pointers in this game. They only shot 14 of them. They didn't jack up a lot of threes, hit five of them, shot 35%. In some games in the past, they were shooting under 30% from three. Uh, free throws, 17 of 20. 
Um, 85% out-rebounded Florida by 11. If I gave these stats to you, you would have thought Auburn clearly won this game. But the stat of the game, University mm. Ace Hardware, tool to the game. Yeah, facts. <laughs> there, 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 there is, there is, so listen, there's I don't no care other, what anybody no <laughs> wants yeah. to say about late game, da-da-da, this and this and that. The, yes. the thing that screwed Auburn the absolute most, Mike already talked about it, is launching the ball into the fifth row like four times. Yeah, right. Like, I like was literally. like, "What the right. heck is this crap?" And a, in a game that you lose by a by point. one. Yeah, right. like four times. It was just like I was just like, "Where was this pass intended to?" I don't even understand. That happened a few times. I just like you know, is, is, let, is, let me did, ask did, this question: Did they become quarterbacks for Auburn all are of they, a sudden? Like, are why they, are you overthrowing everything? Bruce Pearl has talked a lot about fatigue. Before the last, like, I, I forgot which game it was. He said they weren't even going to practice between games because the team was just so tired. You know, this has been such a grind, you know, the mental grind of being number one. I'm sure those guys start to feel the, the weight of that pressure. And it's not like football where you have a week no matter what. Right. It's a quick turnaround on a lot of these games. So you play on Saturday and sometimes you're in as soon as Tuesday playing another game. So if you get a little banged up or, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm just looking at it and I'm thinking, is it possible this team is just kind of tired? Are they tired? I mean, it's definitely a, a, a possibility with the way that the focus is happening with the turnovers. Um, again, I, I think, so this, this, is, this kind of circles back to my last point about how people play ball, right? Like, if you are a KD Johnson who is just like, you know, a bull in the China shop downhill type of guy, and you get your points in the way that he scores them, when you're tired, those shots tend to not be makes more often than not. You're not going to be able to get the lift necessary to take the contact and still be able to make the shot. If you're tired and you're Wendell and you go through a two-game stretch where you're playing 30-some minutes because Zep Jasper's not there, and you're, you know, you're coming off of a knee injury, really, like we forget that Zep hurt, I mean, that Wendell hurt his knee, before he had to go play those long stretches in games and your legs aren't where they used to be, your jump shot's not going to fall like it was supposed to, right? Like it is a possibility that fatigue is starting to set in, not just physically, but mentally for this team, putting up with the weight of expectations of being this national title contender front runner. That's 100% a possibility. If you recognize that from either a coaching standpoint or from a point guard and coach on the floor standpoint, you need to figure out different ways to get in and out of your offenses. Don't continue to press. Pressing more when you're fatigued leads to more mistakes. Sure. You have to play smarter when you're tired. You, you know, I, I think I think oftentimes, too, it was, commu- my guess was we communication. I think there was times where guys was expecting a, a, their teammate to be in one position and they expect one guy to cut and the guy didn't. They expect the guy to stay where he was, and then he would cut. Like it just seems yeah. like we were out of sync with right. some of these turnovers. And so I think what we saw at the beginning of the game, especially, was just these guys having to get on the same page with w- what they were doing on offense. And so I think that was a big cause. I mean, again, I can't explain the hail mary to the fifth uh, row um, yeah. in, the, in the in the stands. I can't explain that. That's Bruh. inexcusable. But some of but I could visibly see Wendell get frustrated. Uh, when he expected, I think it was Zeb Jasper to make a cut to the basket on a fast break. Yeah, yeah. and he Zep, didn't. Zep went and, to the corner, and we yeah, thought he was going to cut to Zep, the goal. That's yeah. communication to me. Yeah, and so these guys got to get on the same page when it comes to that. And there I was, think that's what we saw a lot of. There was one with Flanagan as well, too, where he was expecting somebody to cut, and they didn't cut, and yeah. Uh, yeah. he just threw the yeah. ball to the baseline essentially. Uh, but no. I'm just wondering again, if the mental fatigue is starting to wear down on these guys where possible. it's possible. Yeah. Like I said, I, I don't take that. Away. Listen, when you are the, the hunted, it's you're taking, you're literally taking everybody's best shot every right. single game. It's different, bro. This like I don't care. Second time they've rushed the court after beating us. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, it's just different, man, it's because different. Every, yeah. everybody gets up for that game. And, and they're I going think that to was historically, everything that, got. that was a historic game for, like, I, I don't know. I think we're, that's the highest ranked opponent they've ever they've. Beaten. I think it was only the second time that they beat a number two ranked team in, like, the history of their Yeah, yeah. So it, it, was, whatever, it yeah. was a big deal in that regard for them. So, hmm. I, I, I mean, listen, it. we haven't played well at Florida in a while. 
So let's yeah, just we ain't won there in 19 years. But yeah, they showed the last game we were like one game we was there. We think like, we lost by 20. Uh-huh. I think it was 2020. Yeah. Also, despite the you know the gravity of the game being you know you know the unranked Florida versus number two Auburn, they're fighting for their tournament lives right now. Sure. This is a team on the bubble, so there was a lot of incentive for them to go out there and win this game and try to make a statement. And they're still on the bubble even after winning that game. Right. So you know we are a resume. I, I want everybody to hear this. Auburn basketball is a resume builder for teams playing us. Yeah. Yeah. We're a resume builder. So three teams get to claim that they bolster their resume by beating us, right? UConn, Arkansas, and now Florida. Yeah, yeah. Arkansas is back in the top 25 because of a win no. against Auburn. Right. If it's a big win for you, it solidifies what we are in college basketball this year. Yeah. Right? So make up your mind, people, about what this is. Are we overrated? <laughs> or did you beat a nobody? Yeah, that's what it, it that's just weird to me. Like, why are you rushing the court for an overrated team? Like, I just don't get that. Mm-hmm. Like, if we're overrated, then just go home. You're supposed to win that game. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, agreed. Arkansas fans, I mean, they were insufferable. I can't wait. I can't. Oh wait. man, like, they're starting we, to become see, my new most hated fan if base. If we if we see them again, like I I I'm looking forward to that game. Mm-hmm. Meet me outside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So catch yeah. me in these streets, partner. Send me, the, I, send, me the, send me the Addy. <laughs> <laughs> we it's will, on site. De- we it's will on definitely site. slide. We <laughs> catch them again. It's on site. So uh, I don't. I think this was this game is. I don't know that we needed this. And you know, somebody asked Bruce Pearl that after the game. Yeah. About the idea that Auburn needs to lose and get it out of their system, and he answered that question. Emphatically, uh, emphatically. yeah. He said, I don't know who's saying that, but that's, uh, and these were his words, these are mine, but that's stupid. <laughs> right? We just right. got to play and we got to win, which is where right. I've been at. So, yeah. well, he, I, I, he gave a great analogy for the scenario that we're in. Uh, I can't remember whether it was the pregame or the postgame saying, like, the test is, you know, it's five games to win the tournament. Can you close five straight games taking everybody's best shot? Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, the answer to that right now is no, they haven't been able to do that. Um, but it is a, a place where he is putting them in the mindset of, hey, guys, this is exactly what the tournament's like. The only difference is you lose there. You don't get to come back and play another game. So you need to play these last five games of the season the way you're going to play in March. Um, yeah. So I, I think Bruce has the team in the right space. Uh, Coach Pearl is doing a great job to mentally prepare them for what's coming. Um but again, it's tough. It's tough winning. Basketball games are hard to win just in general because literally anybody can just randomly catch fire. They're all collegiate athletes that are on scholarship for a major program. Like, forget what you think about, you know, how good a team. But they're on scholarship at a college basketball school for a reason. These dudes can hoop, right? Like, mm-hmm. Scotty Pippen Jr. is no slouch, right? Like, he ain't just some bum that walked off the street. Like, I get what Vanderbilt's record is. Scottie Pippen Jr. can hoop. And if he goes crazy on you in a game where he's like, he's hitting everything, like he did, you might lose that game. Right. You might, you just might lose that game because he went, if Appleby catches fire from three randomly in the late second half of a game, five of 10 in that game, you could lose. And that's not because you're not a good basketball team and they're not a good, it's just, hey man, this dude, he was hooping that day because the difference, honestly, you know, if we, we like to do these comparatives in football where, hey, this quarterback played better than this quarterback, it was the production they got from Appleby versus the production we got out of our point guard positions is really if you wanted to compare the two, he was effective in the spaces where he had opportunities to get buckets. None of our point guards were. Right. You think about the Arkansas game. Same yeah. thing. All right. they, they, their point, they got production from their point guard. They were hitting shots. And that's the difference in the in, in the bench scoring, really. It's, it's, it comes down to whether or not Wendell is going to give us points, Jalen is going to give us points, and Cambridge is going to give us points. You look at the stat line for those three guys from this game, is it what, like five points between the, the three of them? I think Jalen and Cambridge had two points each, and uh, Wendell had five. Total of okay, nine so points. seven. You said two points each, so yeah, nine. Nine points collectively between those three guys, and those are the guys that are typically scoring off of the bench for Auburn. So 
that's the difference in wins and losses is the productivity really of those three people. Now, the, the question about whether Flanagan should go to the bench and Cambridge should come and start again, I don't know how much that does. The, the only reason I would say yes, maybe, um, but you'd have to refigure your your um, your rotations out is um, is because Flanagan is a secondary ball handler, right? He he can be another ball handler. Now I'm not saying he needs to be running point because uh, he's just not there yet with his ability to handle the ball. But he is someone who can at least relieve some pressure if they want to press early because uh, Zep Jasper is not that dude, right? Like he's going to be their starting point guard. He's going to be able to get, but starting early, figuring out how to get your offensive flow a little bit better is is the other big issue for Auburn. Like, we've got to start games better so that we don't put ourselves in this deficit. And you want to talk about the fatigue. A lot of energy is expended trying to come back in games. You're, like, That's putting true. a bunch of pressure on yourself to try to lock down every possession. And you got, because it becomes so much more critical because you've put yourself in this hole. Uh, you start a little bit better, then you can save some of that for late games. Um, so I know there, there's work to be done. Uh, we are not playing like a national title team right now, a, a national championship contending team right now. Um, but there's a lot of basketball left to be played in this season, even though it doesn't seem like it. Mm-hmm. And we still have the SEC tourney to figure out some of this stuff. So hopefully we can close the uh, season out um, with W's, regardless of how ugly they are, claim that uh, regular season title, and then get into playing some better basketball as we get into the tournament. Thanks. But, and we'll, we'll question about that as well. Uh, Jazzy Joe, appreciate you, man. Says, praise hey, the Lord. Man. Pass. <laughs> pass, <laughs> pass the, the damn ball. ball. Yes, yep. pass mm-hmm. the ball for sure. And, and, and again, it goes back to Bruce's point of getting people involved in the offense. Again, we're, we're, we're un, I mean, that, that's true of most teams, but we're unbeatable when we get a lot of guys involved to where it's not just one or two guys beating the other team. So, James Barnett. Says, could it be that our slow start in first half of games contributes to over is pretty That's, much yeah. what you what I just nailed said, it yeah. overexertion in the second half, which may contribute to sloppy play at times. Mm. Very, very likely. Um, I would like to see Auburn do a better job of starting fast in games, but the, you, you you talked about finishing strong. Uh, Auburn hopefully getting a number one seed and and finishing out. Uh, are you concerned? about how Auburn will play on the road against, let's say, a Tennessee who's also um, playing with a lot of a sense of urgency as of late. Like, yeah. what, what, are your, what, are you, what are your thoughts about that as Auburn goes into this, uh, this week? Yeah, I was always concerned about the Tennessee. The, the, the two games that I had circled a long time ago was on the road against Florida and on the road against Tennessee. Um, the Arkansas game was one I expected a tough fight. I thought we were going to come out with a victory there. Um, but these were the two games that I was the most concerned about because I know uh, the talent that is on those basketball teams. Um, and it being a road game was going to be a lot. Uh, can we win both of those games? You know, we definitely could have won Florida last night. We def or yesterday afternoon, and we definitely can win against Tennessee. Hear me right now. We get off to a slow start against Tennessee, it's going to be bad. Tennessee's a better basketball team than Florida. And they're playing better basketball right now than Florida has been of late. We get off to a slow start against Tennessee, this might be the first ugly loss of the season. Right. And we've we've had a bunch of close losses. Um, This might be the first ugly loss if we get off to a slow start against Tennessee. We're going to have to play better early against that team, take their crowd out of it, and make them have to be the ones playing frenetic and losing a lot of their steam because they're trying to keep up with what we're doing. Now, you 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 have made mention of d- does Tennessee have tall guards? Do uh, we know actually their point guard. I think is like a six two guy. I don't, I don't really. I know you mentioned how sometimes that can kind of throw off the rhythm in the in the play of our guards when they match up against taller guards. Yeah, I think the issue for me when I talk about the tall guard is situation is us defending them. Um, okay. Like, we don't defend well against tall guards. Um, B and I were having actually a small debate about this in, the, in, in, the, uh, in our internal chat about me saying something about tall guards. I don't think the, the issue is how the tall guards 
um, defend us. I think it's more how our inability to stop tall guards from just being able to get buckets, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Zepp Jasper is a really great on-ball defender, but a tall guard just going to rise up over the top of him if he wants to shoot the ball. Um, and so if you have a really tall guard or an, a guy who's able to handle the ball, it's harder for us to defend against that guy and really bother um, their ability to get into whatever set they want to, especially when it's Wendell. Wendell is is a good defender. He's not an elite defender. Um, so if if you want to shut down their offense uh, and a tall guard can just see over the top of that, it's going to be difficult for us to really play defensively the way that we need to. It says Ziegler is 5'11", says Corey Weber. So uh, he's not a not a super tall guy. They're, they're starting PG. So I agree with you, though, that Auburn needs to start fast in this game. Um, or at least match it, right? Like, they can't get yeah. into, you know, 10, 12-point deficit early. I don't think. War Report family, you are listening to the Weekend Tailgate Podcast. You're in the right place for great discussion of Auburn sports news, but there's so much more available to our YouTube channel patrons. Patron-level supporters get first dibs on select content, special chat privileges when we have special segments and big-time guests, and only patrons get access to our off-season football film reviews that kick off after A-Day. We're talking next-level film breakdowns to look at what we did in 2021 and even give us a glimpse of what to expect in 2022. And did I mention the patron giveaways? So head on over to our YouTube page and look for the join button. Become a patron-level member and get your weight up. All right, now let's get back to it. How do we feel about Auburn? And we haven't talked much about, I mean, Tennessee is is six days away, but Auburn does face Ole Miss at home. Um, how do we feel about this game and how they play? The Auburn gets gets another win under their belt. How do we feel about this game? Mm, I think it could go either way, honestly. Um, not because Ole Miss is so great, but uh, there are definitely some things to figure out here at the end of the season. And they've got to figure out how to establish an offensive flow in the first half. Really boils down to that. I mean, we're leaning on defense, but I think people need to start to accept that the identity of this team is defense. The 2019 team was lights out shooting. That was that. And they had, they hustled. And it's not that they didn't play defense, but that wasn't really their identity. They literally would pass up open layups to shoot threes. That's just who they were. And Bruce Pearl had those guys embrace that that season. I think it was in the SEC Championship um, versus uh, Tennessee. One of the greatest calls in an Auburn game ever was Dick Vitale. And um, uh, what's the kid's name? I always forget his name. Uh, The point guard from that season. Jared Harper. Jared Harper. Jared Harper has got a wide open layup. And um, he dishes it to Bryce Brown. And Dick Vitale is like, they love the three. And then he shoots it, hits it. And the other guy goes, bang, right? And I, I was like, yo, they just passed up a wide open layup for a three-point shot. And it worked. And the bench and the crowd were going crazy. And they just knew who they were as a team offensively. Yeah, this team is something different, man. It's defense, and it's a little scary because, you know, when you can—I mean, I, we played. I think we played good defense in that game, mm-hmm. but uh, and I you know, again, correct me if I'm wrong on this. I feel like when you are not getting the calls, like from the uh, from the officiating. Sometimes it can affect the way you play defense more than the way you play offense. Yeah, one hundred percent. Right, like yeah. so, it's tough. Which is right. which is why I thought Colin Castleton's a really good basketball player, and I apologize for cutting you off. But okay, I thought it was particularly BS of him to do the whole thing. You know, the thing where they'd be like pointing, you know, put their hand down to the ground like you too little against um, when he made that bucket late against Walker Kessler. Walker wasn't trying to block the shot. He, he had, was trying to stay out of foul yeah, trouble. Yeah, he was trying to stay out of foul So he's not doing, he's just standing right. there with his hands up. He's not too little for you, bro. Calm down. Yeah, like, Colin right. Castleton's good, but I need you to settle down, sir. Like, mm-hmm. I, I get it, but it, that was not a mono e mono Walker Kessler's trying to block your shot and you made a good shot against him. Like, that was a, that was a That was really a trash broadcast. On all the way around. I did not enjoy watching that game. From the time the game started, yeah. he's, he's got, got that, that look. look in his eye. Like, what? Like, what? Like, are you? 
I don't know. Yeah, I thought maybe they had something going on because I was like, you, you talk a lot about his eyes. And then and then it was uh, I mean, they were really trying to get us to believe that he was going to be. And I, I don't I, I mean, I think he had a decent game, but that game was more about what Auburn didn't do. than it was about anything anybody on Florida did. 17 turnovers, a lot of them unforced. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't like they were out just just forcing turnovers. We were throwing the ball away. Yeah, and, and I mean, I'm not, I just like, give Florida credit, man. They it was they defended their home court certainly, but the way they were painting that, I just didn't like it. I, I didn't. Think I, it you're, was, you're not wrong. The broadcast was terrible. There was the it was trash it was broadcast, broadcast Hooper, man. man. It was trash commentating. It, yeah, was, it was so like, yeah, I get it. Like you know, when they're enamored with, um, when they're enamored with a player, uh, even when they do it for us. Right. Sometimes we were watching. Uh, was it was a TJ Finley. Oh, he's six seven. He's six seven. He's six. Okay, we get it. He's six seven. Can we stop talking about that? Yeah. Um, just, but I didn't it, know. I didn't know that. So I, I needed <laughs> to hear that. For, oh my, you, hold um, on. Were you aware that Jabari Smith Senior played at LSU? <laughs> no. Where I don't. I don't know if y'all. No. 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 Did you know that Walker Kessler's dad? Get some new talking on. points. Did you know <laughs> that Alan Flanagan's dad coaches for Auburn? We need a no. Captain Obvious segment on the show. Did right. you know? <laughs> Talk about what the announcer said that was obvious as hell. Yeah. It's, it's mm-hmm. not even that they point it out. It's that it gets pointed out in every game, and they mention it multiple times in that game. It's like if right. it were the first time you said it or the first time you heard it, it'd be like, oh, that's Uh-oh. interesting. Uh-oh. I didn't know that. All right, we, we started something new in the comments. Did you know that Bo <laughs> Nix is Patrick Nix's son? What? what? Did not know that. Did, Did you know, know Jared Stidham? That's why you they keep showing. I didn't know why they kept showing him. Jared Stidham was a transfer. He used to be a. Te- he was in Texas before he got. Did he play at Baylor before he got to Auburn? <laughs> Did you know that Walker Kessler came from USC? I didn't know that, guys. What? Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what? This is gonna be great. And we accident we accidentally started a new thing, right? Like <laughs> I love it. So we're gonna I have that it. we're gonna have that session after uh on the next live for Wednesday. Jesus. Come prepare oh, with your gosh. did you knows. It's yeah. so ridiculous though. Like they repeat the same <laughs> stuff over and it's I, like can we get a new one. Did you know that Jabari is related to Kwame Brown? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, right. All right, can we get a graphic with the uh, the more you know star? And... <laughs> we do need, I like, seriously. Yeah, I, yeah. Seriously. Yeah, we need that. We need that for Wednesday. That's think hilarious, bro. Uh, <laughs> Let's yep. get this super chat and we can get to this giveaway. Uh, Jazzy Joe says, Ike, you a betting man. Would you bet on Auburn winning out the regular season or would you bet we don't? <laughs> I'll bet the opposite. I'll put I think we're going to lose one more. Okay. Yeah, I think. Yeah. I think. But be clear. Be will is the betting man. Ike is not. I am a. Be will is I, the betting. Yeah, man. but be will is the betting man. I now I know I do the fantasy pick segment, but be will is really the betting man of the group. Um, but I still think that we lose one more game uh, this season. Let's talk about a, an interesting photo of some activity. So, what's this backstory on some uh, on the football team? They 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 went paintball. Mm. They went shooting paintball. Yeah, it sounded like a little team building that was going on. <laughs> yeah. This weekend. Uh, so yeah, they, they did a little team building event uh over the weekend, went to go play paintball. And um we got a picture of uh Coach Harson and Derek Hall out there having a good time. I just love this picture though of Coach Harson went all out, man. He's in the fatigues Commando. With, the, with the Auburn um, thing on the front situation here. And then he's got the paint on his, like he was ready to go out here and, and do a little paintball, man. So uh, it's it's interesting having a uh, like Coach somebody got him, out there. Yeah, he just looks a little too into this, right? Like, <laughs> I, I'm watching this picture. It's he's intense. smiling, but he's like, you know, you know, I'm gonna kill you, right? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know, man. This looks like a ski. Looks like he's done this before. Yeah, now nah, he, he he definitely looks like he used to do uh, secret ops missions in a previous life or something, or at least sure. he was an extra on a Rambo mm-hmm. movie. I don't yeah. know which one, but Derek uh, Hall over here looking like, "Yep, coach, you got him <laughs> right, <laughs> right in the brain." Right. <laughs> so uh, they had a good time doing some team building out there. I'm happy to see those guys out there uh, bonding with their coach. Uh, yeah. That's that's always cool to see in the off season. Indeed, indeed, indeed. 
uh, definitely wanted to show you guys that, uh, again, it's always great when we see some good positive news. We want to bring attention to that, given the, how the past few weeks have gone. So, yeah. And, and listen, by all accounts, the, the, the guys had a good time out there. You know, you saw them on social media kind of talking about it, man. Um, I, I like the fact that they're finding ways to bond uh, with as a team. Right. right. Like just go out, have some fun. This ain't got nothing to do with football. It's still physically active. Right. So you're getting some some cardio in and all that kind of stuff. But um, and, and getting your competitive juices flowing. But an opportunity to bond as a team is always good. Uh, I like to see them out there having fun, man. So really great job by the staff putting that together for the team, because, um, you know, a lot of people don't get to do stuff like that. Like, I, yeah. you know, going to play yeah. paintball is not something that everybody just gets to go and do all the time. So definitely, I've, I've never done it. Yeah. I've never done it. I've only seen videos of it. I have. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I would yeah. say um, I wasn't good at it. <laughs> I think it's really good that uh, team building beside practice is super important. Yeah. You know, and the chemistry off the field that a lot of these players have, you know, this is the way that it's built. And in, in year one, one of the biggest things that I think hurt when all this stuff started happening was there wasn't enough of an emotional connection between the fan base and this coach. Mm -hmm. Right. And this is the part of the job that uh, I think that we're going to see them embrace over this season, which is let us see the fun side of Brian Harson. Just that picture alone shows a yeah. different picture of Brian Harson than what has been out there in the media. Right. Right. And people right. just need to see that he didn't suddenly invent that guys. He's always been that guy. Just have happens you uh, nobody's seen it. Right. Now it's time for people to see that side of him, and so that we can just start to rally behind this coach. Because regardless of whether you wanted him gone or you wanted him to stay, right? It you should be rooting for Auburn, which means rooting for the guy in charge. Now there was right. an investigation, and n nothing terminable was found. So it's time to just move past this and, and talk about you know how can this coach be successful. There are a lot of people focusing on the negatives of what of what happened. And I think that you can really turn a lot of this into a positive. Recruiting is going to be more difficult now. That's a reality of the situation that we're in. But if you want to turn that around, that's you you have to win on the field. Right. And it doesn't mean we got to go out and have a 10-win season, even though I do think that that's possible. Uh, you know, if you know we get the quarterback right and if the defense holds serve. However, you know, Ike and I Friday we did a special on um, we did a special live on Friday for the offensive coordinator, and we went down the schedule and talked about how winnable a lot of these games are. And the only reason to believe that we would be do worse is is that if you think this team is getting literally getting worse from season right. to season, I don't think you can make a plausible case for that. That this team is worse off with the same offensive line. Um, a new quarterback, but you know, quite possibly, but I I don't think there's anywhere to go but up from quarterback with the guys that we have in our room. I think that will have a, po a net positive effect on the receivers, and that should produce some more wins in 2022. Yeah. So yeah. call it a sunshine pump, call it what you want. I'm I'm just not that all the gloom and doom that's being preached. Uh, and pushed by some people in the fan base who who would rather see Auburn burn than Harson do well, I can't get on board with it, right? Man, mm -hmm. I think that watching this man out here playing paintball with his players and putting an emphasis on team building emphasizes that, you know, he is willing to at least make sure the optics around, if not just in functional substance, right, that yeah. re relationships are there and that, you know, if your relationships were a problem for him. I mean, I think that this demonstrates an ability to be able to take that constructive criticism and do something about it rather than just saying, you know, oh, the hell with them. I'm going to do it my way. Right? right. You know, a good leader right. can take a look at his processes and say, hey, you know, we could do this better. The optics around this could be better. And I think that they're making an honest effort to do that. So right. um, if I'm a kid and I'm seeing, uh, if I'm a kid and I'm seeing the coach out there playing paintball with his teammates, right? I, we've seen some stuff like this before. Um, was it? Do you guys remember? I think it was Mark Rick jumping off a high dive into a pool a few like years ago. 
Uh, I don't know if it was a high dive, but it was definitely. I remember them it was having pictures of him. Yeah, jumping into the really water. high up, like yeah. you know, one of those diving platforms, and the the, the team at the bottom just kind of cheering him on, and, and it was some kind of like yeah. trust exercise or something like that. I think hmm. things like that are really really cool to see a coach yeah. do that kind of stuff with their team, you know. Yeah. And Mark Richt was he was a good coach and they won a lot of games with him as head coach and ultimately they made the change i think it was time for the change certainly but that kind of internal culture is what we need here we need tough tough we need tough and disciplined but not heartless and you know no emotion rigid rigid yeah yeah Yeah, that's it Yeah, sure. yeah. Discipline, discipline does not have to mean rigid and, you know, disconnected. Right. I think there's a balance there. I, I think they're trying to find it. It's a good thing. War Report family, it's your boy B-Will. We want to thank you for listening to the Wednesday Night War Room in podcast form. Now, we've got more content we want to get you here specifically as podcasts. We know you love the convenience of it, but that takes time and resources. So we're asking for sponsors. If you or anybody you know would like to reach Auburn football fans, specifically the War Report's Auburn football fan community, then hit us up. Business at thewarreport.com. That's business at thewarreport.com. And to continue to fuel our growth, please rate and review this podcast right now on whatever service you're listening on. That's all I got for now. So I'm not going to hold you up. Let's get back to it. Oh, man. Uh, guys, let's let's get to the final part of the of the show. We're going to talk about what we actually saw. What did we see? I'm going to take a a journey outside of Auburn and out of college athletics and just say that. The NBA dunk contest last night was straight trash. And I was looking forward to it because there was a certain guy who was in the contest who at one point was considering Auburn before going to the G League. Mr. Green, if you will. Jalen Green, yeah. Mm. So I've seen some highlights of this kid in the NBA, and the dude got, the dude is gifted. The dude is yeah, he, he, he definitely got some bunnies, man. He's got some serious pops. And he was actually my favorite and didn't quite even get to the last final round. Um, Kept missing, you know, it was one of those things to where you see a guy, you know, you have so many X amount of attempts to make, but then you don't even make the attempt because you can't get the alley-oop right or the, the toss right to do what you're trying to do. And it just takes the crowd out of it. Right. I feel like, and and this is just my opinion. It was already mentioned. Uh, I, I think uh, one of the guys mentioned it. Um, who was reviewing? Uh, who was looking or commenting on the show? Was saying that they need to go ahead and move the three point contest to the end. Yeah, and I think this is necessary because consistently, that actually has been very entertaining. Also, the NBA has changed. It is yeah. a shooting league, so right. now that is. What's exciting. And in a contest where you didn't have Steph Curry, you didn't have Klay Thompson, you didn't have KD, you didn't have Dame Lillard, you didn't have some of the guys who you know who are lethal from beyond the arc in the three-point competition, it was still entertaining. Carl Anthony Towns, a forward, won the three-point contest. That's just how deep of a league we are in guys who can hit the three. If you want to salvage All-Star Weekend, stop making your headlining event an event that's only not a dud every three years. Because it seems like every three years we'll get a good dunk competition and now we spend the next two to three years waiting for the next one. When consistently the three-point competition has been pretty decent every year. Make that your headlining event. And you can maybe salvage the excitement around NBA All-Star Weekend or just do something else. Yeah, I think they just need to do like uh, like they need to bring in some of the amateur dunkers from the Internet and just let them have uh, maybe just do a uh, the NBA versus them or something like that and do mm-hmm. like a team contest. I think that'd be dope because those amateur dunkers are so super creative. Oh, yeah. And I, it's, it's really not fair because they're professional dunkers. Right. Like if it was an actual game, the NBA players would uh, 
absolutely destroy them. But yeah. um, but I mean, the dunk contest is about dunks, man. Bring people in who are, are dunkers and then have a couple of your guys from the league get in it as well. It's just they're stretching for talent to get into the dunk contest because some of these guys can jump, but they're not really like creative or inventive dunkers. Right. It's just right. it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's getting to be where you really know it's only one or two guys who could legitimately win this contest. The rest of these people are fillers and it makes the first couple of rounds super boring. Right, and then you know this year I think was a complete dud. So it had the potential, and I think that's what made it even more disappointing. You had guys who got can jump out the building, but no creativity or execution. It was just you couldn't make it happen. So mm. that's mine there. Uh, who who's next? I'll go next. What did we see? So looks like the college football playoff is going to remain at four teams. Yeah. Now, uh, there are a few people holding this up. Uh, I don't think uh, they're on the wrong side of this, too. Uh, and they're holding this up for selfish. Now, the Oklahoma and Texas, the SEC deal, which almost broke college football <laughs> for a little bit, is this is clearly an attempt at slowing the effects of that. I just don't think it's going to I don't think it's going to work and I think that the people who are responsible for holding this up are going to pay for it down the road. Uh we need to get more teams in here guys. Like I like the 14 playoff, I do. Um I was happy when we expanded from the BCS model where it just seemed like there was always one team sitting on the outside that really deserved a shot. Uh, I don't think that we really, you know, Notre Dame got in. Did, hold on, wait, who got in last year? This is how much I, I care about Cincinnati, that. Sports. Cincinnati. Alabama, Cincinnati. Georgia. Cincinnati was, was a team, right? Yeah, in Michigan. Yeah. yeah, and it produced two pretty uneventful semi-games. Cincinnati was just, I mean, you could argue why they were, that they were should have been in there, but God, it was not a good game. And then look what Georgia did to Michigan. And we ended up at Alabama, Georgia any, anyway. Um, I just feel like they're, they're, this, is, this is not a good thing for college football. We need to expand, give, give more teams a chance, give more guys something to play for at the end of the season. You know, give more guys a chance to showcase their stuff against schools that they might not ever play against ever in their college career. And, I, you know, maybe it produces a couple more beatdowns, but, like, the the potential for upsets, you know, just being in it, just making it. I think we have this in other sports. We have we added wild cards to the NFL playoffs. You know, a ten and seven Bengals team made the Super Bowl this year. Tell me they didn't look like they belonged. Yeah. Why can't college football do this? I don't understand why college football can't do this. Uh, so this was an attempt to slow down the early exit of Oklahoma and Texas uh, from the Big 12. Probably going to work. But, you know, there were a lot of people who were against or are against that, mainly the Big 12. I know Clemson doesn't particularly like this either. I just think ultimately they're delaying the inevitable and are going to end up on the wrong side of this. So I'm very disappointed. We're going to have to wait till like what, 2026 or something like that. Yeah. 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 I think that's when the contract is up. So like, yeah. come on, man, like three more years, bro. Give me a break. We just, just start, just get this done now, man. Let's make the game more interesting. You know, you're, you're, you're delaying making common sense changes to the game for what reason really? Right. It's it's selfish. I don't like it. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. But for you know, a few more years of the standard fourteen playoff, and you know, that's a few more years that some guys are just not going to get a chance to display their talents on the on college football's biggest stage, which is the college football playoff. I'd like to see more teams get in. It's not my fault. It likely means more SEC teams get in. <laughs> But investor resources, and it doesn't. It doesn't necessarily change the dynamic, the power dynamic in ch in college football. Really, not from a team perspective, because you still need to hire good coaches, and you still need money 
And right. you know, you still have to de- be able to develop players. And there are only a few programs doing that on a very high level in college football right now. Consistently. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh but it does give a chance for somebody to show that they can compete, which might affect recruiting to say, hey, I can go to a place like, you know, the uh Cincinnati, for example, and still have a shot to play in the college football playoff. Now, I know they made it this year, but prior to this, man, again, no non-Power 5 team had made it. And it was the perfect storm for them to get in, even. Because yeah. if Oklahoma had had beat Baylor, they probably would have been in and Cincinnati would have been out. Right. So I, I don't know. I just don't think I don't like it. I don't like that they're delaying this. I just, I hate good old boy systems. And there's always just one with just enough money to hold up progress. It is. This is holding up progress. Like what you got? What did we see? I was just going to talk about gymnastics, but since, you know, the women's basketball team got in on the fun, just going to take a little time to talk about how, you know, Georgia broke their football curse and then passed their juju on to the rest of their athletic departments because (laughs) (laughs) their basketball team uh, and men's basketball is garbage. Um, And their women's basketball team, though good, just lost to Auburn. Their gymnastics team just lost to Auburn. Uh, They're on a a streak here of taking L's to Auburn teams, and I'm loving it. Well, you know, if you want to count losing KD before all of this happened, you know, we can go there too. I, I am loving... Georgia losing stuff. That's always fun to see. Doesn't really matter what it is. They are of, there are three teams that I just enjoy watching lose in everything. And Georgia is one of them. And so it's been good to look at these scores and say, oh, Georgia lost again. Having fun seeing it. So good job, uh, gymnastics. Good job, women's basketball. Thank you for bringing a smile to my face today. Appreciate y'all. Awesome. Jazzy here says, uh, well, I'll do gymnastics. I saw SUNY do a vault that has never been done in the history of college. War. Uh, yeah. If, if you haven't seen it, it's, it was impressive. And she was a little wobbly on the landing. But it was, it, I've never seen anything like that. Uh, the, yeah, as, soon, as soon as she hit the vault, the twist, I was like, well, like, what, where is this going to end? <laughs> is what I was thinking. Where is this going to end? Because uh, I, I'm always blown away by these gymnasts that do this thing. Because after like two turns, I'd be so disoriented. It would be a face plant. Uh, and for them to be able to control their body in the air the way they do and then stick the landing. Like, yeah. wow. I mean, she is out here. And she didn't get a perfect score on that vault. Um, and I think maybe uh, I'm not <laughs> not gym, gym a gymnastics expert, but like she didn't get it. I think it was about the landing was, was the only reason she yeah. didn't get a perfect score in that vault. Yeah. Right. Uh, but certainly I think it was a nine nine two five that she scored on that vault. And I'm following gymnastics a little bit. We post her uh, post game pressers up here. It's very um, it's very uh, uncommon that you get to consistently hear from Olympic gold medalists, but. She's having a blast her first year in college with the, the team dynamics. She talked about uh, how it's different where a lot of the training she did for the Olympics was singularly focused and she didn't have to share equipment. And now she's working on a team and cheering on teammates. Uh, she talked about focusing on her mental health. This is a young woman cannot even buy alcohol yet. And she's got full on uh, you know, sponsor, like she's NIL personified. She yeah, came in with sponsorship sure. deals and things for of that sure. nature that um, I wonder how that would have worked pre-NIL with her being, you know, getting sponsorships in a, yeah, like, it it, have, yeah. yeah, right. She would have maybe had to skip college or something. I don't know. She she, she would have skipped college. She, she not, yeah. skipped college, right? Yeah. She, yeah. she, she would have I mean, she, she walked into back into the United States ready to sign deals and she wouldn't have been able to issue one. So this allows for athletes like this to get a college experience. Mm-hmm. So they get a chance to still be 
kids. Young, yeah. Right? They still yeah. get a chance, they get a chance to get the collegiate experience and not miss out on all the money that they would have potentially. That's that's probably again the greater good of NIL. I know people hate it for whatever reasons that they feel about how, you know, athletes being paid in the major sports of specifically college football, but mm-hmm. these other sports where you have more Olympians that are but really just semi-pro at that point in time going in there, you know, they pass up the ability to make money in their collegiate years and get a college experience. They have to choose. Now you have to choose to, I'm either not going to do college and do college athletics and have that experience with my team in that way, or I'm going to forsake making money, right? Mm -hmm. Now they don't have to choose. They can. You don't have to wonder what if either. You you cannot tell me it's not good for college sports to have SUNY Lee in college sports right Right. now. This is great for college sports. Like because you're gonna was, see, you're gonna see the SEC showing like when they show the conference on those commercials, SUNY Lee will definitely be pictured for years. Yeah, like people are gonna make money just off her image being on things, and there is a heightened interest in gymnastics because she is in the SEC. Uh, there is a particularly annoying Bama personality on Twitter. I won't say her name because I don't like giving them platforms, but. She was making a big deal about some Bama girl who scored higher on her vault than SUNY's vault that she tried. And now I think because of SUNY, more people are paying uh, attention to gymnastics. Now, this girl who is trying to elevate the Bama girl over SUNY, she's not even doing that if SUNY doesn't exist. You know why? Because nobody gives a damn about some random Bama gymnast. Right, it's because of SUNY. SUNY is the draw. She is great for college sports. Yeah, right. Yeah. And having an Olympian come in and be a freshman in college, I think she's handling things so well, guys. You know, for her to come up, and this is something that hits you know home for me. For her to come out and openly talk about, I have had to work on my mental health since you know I've been you know in college. You know, she I think it highlights all the stresses that high-profile athletes have to go through. And she just wants to be a kid at some points. But she's got, you know, sponsor responsibilities and and obligations, and she's got to go to class, and she's trying to manage a social life. I think her boyfriend lives across the country and plays football for, like, USC or UCLA or something like that. that. You know, and and manage a relationship. There's there's a lot of full-grown-ass adults who could not handle as much as this child is handling right now. And she's doing it beautifully by I might add. So I'm happy to have her here at Auburn. Uh and you know, we're 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 kind of covering gymnastics. Our guy Lance Daw has been going to some of the meets to cover this stuff for us uh and get some footage and and, and you know and jump on the post game. I'm on the gymnastics post game presses from time to time. I uh, just asking I don't know a ton about gymnastics, but I like asking about the experience. You know, and what it's like for these athletes, because all of her teammates are benefiting from her presence on this team as well. But I think she values them as much as they value her. That's really cool to see. Gymnastics is a really cool thing to see right here. Hashtag everything's cool.